Welcome to Conscious Conversations. I'm Nitin Garg. And I'm Nick Paladino King. We are transformational coaches from the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is a podcast for people looking to take their lives to the next level. Conversations that lead to real life shifts tend to happen only by chance. We are here to change that. Our mission is to create transformational conscious conversations so that you can experience powerful insights to live a life filled with more passion, purpose, and prosperity. Together with our guests, we will raise the collective consciousness of the planet one conversation at a time. So join us on this great adventure of life by taking a moment to settle in, become fully present, and get ready for a powerful conscious conversation. You're freezing for some reason. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Conscious Conversations. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Anu Sangui, who is a seasoned Silicon Valley product leader. Anu has uh, transformed herself many times over her life. And today, she's going to speak to the art of redefining ourselves, how we can lean into our lives with curiosity, connect with our heart, for what's speaking for what's really speaking to us and what you know a process for doing that then leaning in with courage taking that first step that baby step in the direction of our heart and even we get all the way down to what are some time management tricks and tips and real ways to create accountability in our schedule so that we actually accomplish what we set out to do listen in i think you'll find this episode really enlightening Thank you so much, uh, Nick and Nitin, for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here with you both today and with your audience. Um, I'd love to start by uh, grounding us in a reflection of gratitude. Um, I, it's a practice that I do with myself every morning, and um, I'd love to share it with you. I call it my gratitude bath. Um, and if we can just all start by... Uh, Closing our eyes and um, just taking some time to adjust our pose. Um, I encourage you to be a little playful. If you're sitting, you want to keep sitting, that's great. If you feel like standing, trying something different, that's wonderful. If you usually stand, maybe you want to try lying down, if that's a possibility for you right now. And if you normally lie down, if you want to try sitting, just shake something up in how you're showing up today. Make it a little bit different. Once you're feeling settled, take a deep breath in. Soak it all the way down into your tummy. Let that molecule of oxygen bounce around a little bit in your tummy. Play with it, play some basketball or ping pong. Hold on to it, nourish it, cuddle it, and then let it out. Gently back into the universe. Shrug your shoulders and try that one more time. Pull the oxygen in. Feel it tickle your windpipes as it goes down deep into your belly. 
play with it. And then let it out. And as you pull your third breath in, I'd love for you to go to a place that fills you with joy. Think about a lake where you might have spent a summer or a train ride going through the fields of a village or the ski alps where you might have tried your first uh, ride down or maybe discovering a beach after a long hot hike. Stay in that place. Keep taking your deep breaths. And let's reflect on gratitude. And I'm going to center our gratitude on three different forces that we all experience universally. And yet, the power of these forces is unearthly in a way. It is beyond our understanding. We're still trying to understand how these forces work. But without it, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation. We wouldn't be alive. The first force is photosynthesis. The process by which plants and nature take carbon dioxide out of the air and magically convert it into life-affirming oxygen. They do this without pay. They do this without moving or demanding or speaking. This is the work that they were put on this earth to do. And they do it every day. And they're born knowing how to do this work. They don't have to go get a master's degree or go to you know nursing school. They just do this work. This is in their being. And it's part of how and what makes it possible for us to be here to do our work. So gratitude for plants and nature for supplying us with the oxygen that we need to live and the invisible force that makes it possible. Second force is our breath. The breath that pulls that oxygen into our bodies takes it through our windpipes, deep into our lungs, which then pushes it out through our blood vessels into the organs that make up our being, that allow us to claim that we are alive, we are here, we are living. The breath that knows to pull oxygen in and knows to give carbon dioxide out and does it invisibly 24-7, without us even starting to think about it until we sit down in meditation like we are today. The third force, and one that you know we can all give gratitude to, is gravity. Our feet are probably touching the ground right now. Maybe there's some shoes or slippers between our body and the earth. But that gravity knows a way to work through that rubber and 
keep us firmly planted on this earth as it spins at a thousand miles an hour. It keeps us stable, it keeps us connected, and it gives us the space for us to show up, gather, connect, and again, do the work that we will put on this planet to do. There's a million other invisible forces at work. These were just three examples. But as we reflect on those, let's think about what fills you with gratitude? What brings you joy? What makes you feel happy? What causes your lips to curve into a smile? How might we bring more of those thoughts into our day? Soak ourselves in that gratitude and start the day or end the day feeling in spite of all the challenges, in spite of all the troubles that we each encounter on our journeys, keeping that hope and joy alive and a sense of, wow, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got time and space to do what I want to do. And I've got all these forces that come together miraculously behind the scenes to make it possible. With that thought, let's come out of our bath. Let's soak ourselves in a dry, luxurious towel. Let's step back into reality. Take one more deep breath. Play with that oxygen in your tummy. Thank it for nourishing you and keeping you alive. And then slowly, when you're ready, open your eyes. Welcome back. Thank you, Anu. That was deeply refreshing. where I was a couple months ago with the mist just blasting. Uh, the falls were just like at an incredible flow this year, the, you know, with the epic snow that we received mm-hmm. in California. And there's something about those places when you're there, you just can't help but let it fully touch you. You know, I remember it was cold, it was super misty, it was, the wind is just forcing its way onto you the water is just gushing down um and certainly you know moments like that moments like that uh, help you recognize the miracle that we're all part of i think i experienced a similar glimmer of uh that miracle even as you were guiding us through just the recognition that yeah there's there's all this energy that's beaming down to the earth through the sun, the roles that all of nature plays, the plants and trees, and that symbiosis of them giving out oxygen, us inhaling it and giving out carbon dioxide. And there's just that virtuous cycle without which neither could probably survive. So interconnectedness yeah the interconnectedness right it's such a stark reminder of how we're all connected 
and we weren't meant to survive on our own. <laughs> and but when we come together and we bring our ideas together, we work together. You know, that's when you get to that state of thrive. Yeah, um, which is possible if we if we all work together. Nick, anything that came up for you? Shared that publicly? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was a little nervous. <laughs> well, what I noticed was that, you know, as someone who does that for a living, I'm that's very impressed uh, that that's the first time you just taught that meditation. That sounds like someone that's been doing that for a long time. So you got a skill there that I uh, maybe you didn't know you had. That's pretty damn impressive. Thank you. Welcome. So Anu, um, I want to welcome you to Conscious Conversations. I know our listeners don't know much about you at this point, uh, but they will soon. And they're going to hear, you know, who you are as a person and what's shaped you. So I want to just introduce you briefly to the audience. Uh, Anu, you're a, you're a Silicon Valley, California-based product innovation leader. You thrive on bringing new ideas to life and you love to delight customers. That's back when I knew you 10 years ago, that was the, uh, the, the aim and the mission that you were on, and it's still true today. At this point in, in your journey, you're finding yourself pivoting into this calling to make a difference in our you know, grand moment of climate change. The, the challenge that climate change represents. And along that, you're also really trying to elevate the voices of youth and women into leadership. Uh, women especially focused on bringing, bringing women's voice into leadership and youth really leveraging their voices, especially like you mentioned from the global South to bring their voices into the, the change that we need in the world. Which is, I remember when we connected about a month ago and for the listeners, you know, I'm, I've always been grateful, Anu, to you for almost 10 years ago when I was charting a new chapter in my uh, career journey. And I was this, I was a financial analyst and I knew I wasn't going to be closing the books for the rest of my life. I wanted to get closer to the customer, closer to the business. And you actually gave me a break to do a, I think it was a three-month rotation in the uh, into its payroll division, what was called Beyond Payroll, actually still called Beyond Payroll today, and uh, which was the start of my journey in product management. Uh, so I'll never forget that, and thank you so much because uh, that that certainly opened my eyes into the world of what it means to work and come to work inspired by a mission serving customers. Anything that you want to add? To that, Anu, anything that's uh, that's going on for you that I didn't cover in the intro? Um, no, I, I think I think I'll, I'll leave it at that. The only thing I'll perhaps just say briefly is that you know uh, your desire, Nitin, to sort of take this itch that you had, right, to sort of broaden beyond finance and go into product, and following that itch not just sort of, you know, shrugging it off and saying, you know, I'm a finance person, I should just keep doing finance. Um, really sort of digging into your curiosity and saying, there's something calling to me and how do I make that happen? And then going out and having the courage to have the conversations and putting yourself out there 
Um, the universe, you know, for all of us is waiting to give us what we need. We just sometimes don't have the courage to ask for it, right? And so I just want to applaud you <laughs> for having that clarity of thought and, and being willing to experiment and being willing to sort of try something different that spoke to you. Um, that's more than half the battle is just getting to that articulation of what am I searching for? So thank you. credit to you. Thank you. Yeah. There, there's actually someone I was talking to recently because, you know, the journey never stops. It's unfolding for you. The journey continues to unfold for me. And someone recently did say the same thing to me, which was, uh, I won't talk about the whole conversation, but the the main line that hit me and I've, I've been reflecting on it ever since was, oh yeah, but you know, not all of us can muster the courage. And I still haven't necessarily un unraveled that fully. And I'm curious if if you if you have any perspective on that. And Nick, feel free to chime in. Like what's what's what gives people courage and what what has us take that next step whereas others might stop? I think so much of it is um giving yourself permission to not listen to your ego. And instead, you know, turn your attention to your heart and really dig into the, the feelings and the, the emotions and the thoughts and the, the, the uh, you know, just the uh, work that your heart is begging you to do. Um, and we sometimes just don't go there because we're scared. Um, and because we haven't walked that path before, because we don't have a lot of role models who have, you know, can show us the way, uh, because we don't have the expertise, we don't have the, the, the education. Um, I'm hearing this come up so often from these women founders that I'm gathering uh, with my co-founder to start this program uh, to create this innovation space for women to come together. Yeah, feel free to tell us more about that, yeah. Um, so it's called The Greenhouse, and we're launching our inaugural cohort this uh, fall. And the idea there is, um, you know, as I look at and as I learn about the climate space and what's needed in terms of solutions, right, it touches everything. Our entire world needs to be rewired and how we eat, how we sleep, how we, you know, drive, how we uh, consume, how we waste how we light up our homes, how we heat up our, you know, water, everything has to be reimagined so that we can bring carbon emissions down and, and suck the 880 gigatons of carbon that is sitting in the air already and then adapt to the worlds that we're already experiencing. And the summer has been a perfect example of that, right? There's, there's so much work ahead of us and time is ticking. And, and, I had the strong belief that, you know, women founders, whether you're starting a nonprofit or an organization or a startup or a larger company, we need all their voices in the room helping to contribute and shape these ideas. And yet, if you look at facts like VC funding in Q1 of this year, 2023, 6.9% of all VC dollars that went to climate companies went to women founders. And you look at that stat and you think, wow, here we go again, <laughs> right? Women are not in the room. They're not sitting around the table. Why? 
they are better. This is off all the funding that went to climate related startups. Only 6.9% went to women founders. Correct. And, and that can be for several reasons. Mm -hmm. The reason that I'm focused on making a difference against is bringing more women to the table, right? Um, because if that, if that pipeline is tight and narrow, then obviously the downstream impacts of that are going to be, uh, you know, similar. But if we can just get more women to show up and say, I have the courage to bring my idea and talk about it. Um, and I might not have the expertise as a founder. I might not have the funding figured out. I might not have a collaboration team or a co-founder to work with. I might not have any technical prowess, but I have an idea or I'm willing to work at finding an idea. If we can get more women just doing that, it sets the stage for more of them having a chance, a shot at those ideas, which we all desperately need uh, if we're going to solve this climate crisis. So that's the goal of the program. Um, and uh, the, the focus is really to get women to go through the 10-week program and come out feeling a lot more confident in their founder journey. They might not find the, the best idea at the end of 10 weeks, but they're confident that this is the journey they want to be on. They feel like they have an innovation playbook in their back pocket that is earth-centric. So it sort of puts aside you know, the typical SaaS B2B playbooks that we're used to seeing in the, in the uh, Silicon Valley, which just doesn't work in the climate space, right? We have to be a lot more interdisciplinary. We have to be a lot more holistic in how we think about solutions, a lot more circular in how we design for uh, material uh, moving through the, the process. There's so much work that has to be done that's integrated, holistic, diverse um, in terms of perspectives. And women are just better. There's an HBS study that says women are better at thinking that way um, they're better at handling crises. So let's bring more women to the table, right? Let's, that's the experiment. And um, the fear of, I can't do this. I haven't done this. I don't know how to do this. That's the common thread that we're hearing from everyone, right? Similar to what you were saying earlier about like, why do people not have the courage? It's because there's all this mm -hmm. fear about, I'm going to fail. And so our hypothesis is we're going to create the safe space where we can work in a collaborative way on shaping each other's ideas and our journeys where you're not doing this on your own, right? You're doing this in collaboration with other women. So you're working on your idea, but then you can lean over to your right and have someone give you input, give you feedback, fill the gaps that you have in your knowledge. And then you're expected to do the same for other women because everyone's coming from a diverse background. Everyone has incredible skills from all over the globe, everyone has something to contribute, right? So you're getting a lot out of the program and we're walking through a very uh, systematic business building uh, process week over week, but the how we do it is what I believe is different than anything I've seen before, um, which is we're raising a village of ideas together, just like we would raise a village of kids together, right? If we were living in Africa and India, it's the same concept with our ideas is we can all help get much further along when we come together. Um, and so that fear and that ego, right, which sometimes blocks the courage, um, the, the collaboration and the collection of people in a space following a 
common theme, a common purpose, that can help knock some of that out. Because again, thinking about something on your own is very different than thinking about it with other people, right? And you can do that the best when you sort of can show up vulnerably, can show up and speak authentically, can show up and not feel judged because my idea isn't big enough or it isn't going to scale. How do we know that right now? <laughs> Let's focus on the problem. Let's focus on, you know, how do we make sure there's good product market fit? Let's make sure that we're building a solution that's really going to work. And how do you determine that? It's through experimentation. Yeah. yeah so, so, I feel like there's so many ways we say no to ourselves. Yeah. Well, that's, there's so many, so many good things in there, Anu. And it's, I can tell you so many, you're, not only are you passionate, but you're also knowledgeable about this, which is some of the beauty here. And it's, I'm going to assume, correct me if I'm wrong, there wasn't a time where you, you were this knowledgeable and passionate and have this all put as put together as you do now. It's a, it's a process. And as you're, as you were talking about the different ways we make decisions of, you know, head, heart, and then I would throw in guts, head, heart, and guts. And it's like, man, well, if, if I just listen to my logical brain, my logical brain says, don't leave the job or don't start the fund or don't start this thing because it's dangerous and I'm in fear. And usually we're in fear of what? Well, death. And particularly in terms of really our ego dying. What will, what will Nathan think if I leave my job? Or what will Andrew think about me? Anu think about me if I, if I don't succeed? And those are the fears that hold us back. But when we start to listen to, and I can only talk my own experience when I left my corporate career, it was actually my heart that wouldn't shut up. Right. My logical brain is going, stay in your corporate career. You're on the track. You're going to be making millions in, you know, five or 10 years. And my heart just said, you're done, man, you're done. And what I noticed was once I started to hear my heart, it got louder and louder and louder. And it actually, there was a point I remember being at my desk before I transitioned out of corporate, my heart just, it literally said to me, you're done. And I couldn't type on my keyboard anymore. And it was like, whoa, okay, that's new. My, Cause my mind would have said, keep on going, buddy. You know, you're the successful one in the family. Don't, you don't want to get judged. You don't want to be a failure. My heart just said, you're done. That's it. Um, and it was that relationship. And I think some of this is building a relationship to these different aspects of ourselves. We have a relationship to our head. Most of us where we're lacking a lot is our relationship to our heart and our guts of this is what feels right. And also maybe the guts is this is what I know I'm here to do or what I need to do. And then I would say, then we want to have more faith than fear. It's not about having no fear. That's actually not really beneficial. Fear is our friend. It's part of us as this conversation is of the connectedness. It's part of our survival. It's part of why we're human. It's part of this experience. I think we want to have more faith than fear. Maybe 51% faith and 49%, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And then we start to find people to support us and we build some momentum. And I think what we want to learn to do is, is to be, to live in more fear, less this right like not that we don't have fear that we have we're living in more fearlessness and if we can do those things then we can start to take action one step at a time to move in the direction that we want towards our goal and same thing with climate same thing with changing a career same thing with starting a business you can't do it all today it's too overwhelming we can't change the world today but we can do one thing today to change ourselves to change our conversations to change the, the things we're doing and then that's how one thing a day creates 365 transitions over a year it's like now we've got some movement and then we do it for 10 years we do it for a lifetime 
And then we may not even know the ripples that our, our impact is having in the world. And but I love that there's, there's a lot there. There's a lot there for all of us, men, women, and everyone else in between that it's, these are human experiences that we, we can learn to work through and they will be challenging and they can, and that can be fun too. If anyone's listening, it does, you know, you can have fun with that as well. Um, before I forget, Anya, one of my clients, she has a fund that only invests into uh, co-founders that are uh, women. So if you like that, she's here in the Bay Area too. So if you'd like that connection afterwards, let me know. I would That's love part, it. Of, part of her mission as well as to, is to invest in the companies that are women-led. Love it. I would love that connection. Like, thank you. Yeah, it is, it is you know, it's something there when, Nick, when you were just talking about that. Hey, thanks so much for listening into Conscious Conversations. As you know, we don't try to sell anything here. We don't run ads on our show. Our whole goal is to help elevate and raise the consciousness of the planet through these conversations. So if there's something that you heard in this show or this episode that really landed with you, pay it forward. Give it a like, subscribe to our channel, write a quick review, or even better, share this with your friends and your family so that they can grow and they can benefit from this episode as well. Thanks so much for listening and we really appreciate it. But, you know, there's that part of the connection to the heart, like starting to listening to our heart, like more in conjunction with everything. I often talk about this in terms of like, feel into what's right, then use your head to find out a way to get there. Mm. That doesn't throw you off the bus, right? Or, or puts you into complete panic mode. So managing that fear. And there's something about starting to starting to listen to our heart once we start to acknowledge that that's there and it can be done, that the choices start to become a little bit more clear of like, okay, I'm in X today and it's no longer serving me. It's no longer fun or it's no longer speaking to my purpose, passion, whatever I'm supposed to do. And maybe I don't know what the next step is, but I know this isn't it. Yeah, yeah, Which is for important. sure. It is so important. I'll, I'll share a story from... Uh, almost, you know, 20 years ago now, um, where um, I was in Wall Street, you know, 27th floor, World Financial Center, living the high-flying life of an investment banking analyst. And anyone would look at that job and be like, you know, you've made it, right? Mm -hmm. Right out of college and flying around with CEOs and working on presentations and spreadsheets and doing all this modeling and analysis. It's like, you know, this is the life. And it was great for a year because I was sort of absorbing everything. And then the second year of the program, I was like, this is not normal. <laughs> like, this is not how I was meant to live. Like you're working crazy hours. There's no weekends, um, you know, and everyone around you is working that way. So you just normalize it. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point where I was you know, getting close to the end of the program and they offered a third year in Singapore which was very attractive because it would have been closer to home for me, India. And I would be able to visit my family more often. But I thought, you know, what, a, what is the reality of that? It's I'm going to be stuck in a corporate office in a conference room, not going to have any time for vacation. And that could be a path that I follow and, you know, would probably work out okay. But what would I, what, what would I be killing along the way is my soul. And that was data, right? So I'm a big believer in hypothesis-driven innovation and paying attention to the clues and the data that you collect along the way once you declare a hypothesis and you start trying to validate it. 
my heart speaking to me and letting me know that this was not the right space for me. Uh, similar to what you were just saying, Nathan, it's like I hadn't figured out what I wanted to do, but I knew it wasn't banking. And and having the courage back then to like walk away from all that money, all that comfort, mm-hmm. all that yes. knowingness into you know a business school in California where I didn't know anyone, I'd never visited. I don't know what prompted me to do that back then, but it was it was I think of these forces that we were talking about earlier, right? There's there's the push forces that push you away from an experience or a situation and then there's the forces that pull you in right there's that yin and yang the motion is always in play and it's always going in one direction or the other and sometimes in life we have to push ourselves away from situations we may not know where we're going but we know we have to get away from where we are and then the other times when we get pulled in Right. So for me right now, this year is about just getting pulled into like I'm getting drawn to climate, still trying to figure out what that means and how I make this into a sustainable living, you know, uh, for my for myself and my family. Lots of questions. Right. That still have to be figured out. But I can't imagine being in any other arena right now. Like this is as a product manager, like we we chase problems to solve. Right. Like what is the biggest problem you can give me? And I'm going to get my arms around it. I'm going to get my team and I'm going to figure it out. Uh, working with customers and, you know, iterating through the process. That's the art of product management. And this problem of climate change is it, you know, probably for this year. I, I tend to think of my career in annual, like, you know, every year sort of rethink, am I in the right place? Am I learning? Am I growing? Am I having fun? And right now, you know, it's 2023, I can't imagine working on anything else besides climate because this is the life of our lifetime of our generation and uh and it impacts every job it impacts everything in how we live work um you know uh be and so it's interesting i don't have all the answers but it's definitely a pull it's been a pull for me It, it sounds like that that time period when you were in banking was one of there was definitely an insight there that pivoted you. And now you're going through another pivot. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to hear sort of both where, where that first one led you and how, how did you sort of arrive at this juncture? Yeah. Great, moment great. when you sort of recognize that like, Hey, I've got a pivot now that's sort of shaping where you're headed. Yeah. So leaving banking, um, you know, was driven by the motivation that I really wanted to find a way to um, use the intersection of my passions, which was business and technology, right? Like find a way to use that uh, intersection to do good. And I wasn't seeing myself myself applying my technology skills when I was working in banking. I mean, yes, you're working on spreadsheets, but, you know, you're not really thinking much deeper than that. And um I also wanted to feel like I was not just sitting behind a computer screen all day. Like I'm an extrovert. I like talking to people. I like being out, you know, having uh, real face-to-face meetings. And that was much harder in that world. And so again, I knew what wasn't working for me, which drew me to sort of think about coming out to business school and sort of going back to the blank canvas, right? And really just starting from scratch. And I started asking people, 
you know, you guys know me, what should I do with my life? This is the, these, are the, my, these are my interests. This is what I stand for. Where can I apply my skills? And a couple of people said to me, you should check out product management. I didn't know what product management was. <laughs> this is the mid nineties. I was like, I have no idea what that means. They're like, well, go learn from the best and you know, you'll figure it out really quickly. And I said, okay, so who, who's great at product management? I feel also, I almost feel also that there was like a better word for it. Cause like it, it definitely doesn't capture the full essence of how fun this job can be. It's also right. very challenging. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sorry. No, it's great. Um, and so, you know, I started, uh, looking around and into it and Scott Cook came up as real sort of uh, leaders in the space and sort of, you know, uh, really taking the effort and the time to sort of shape the craft using a customer centric lens, which really spoke to me. Um, and so I applied and I was lucky enough to get the job and the rest is history, right? So I've sort of built my career in Silicon Valley for the next 20 years, working in companies of various sizes um, all the way from, startups um, like PayCycle, which, you know, over 10 years, we grew that and got acquired by Intuit, um, Care.com, most recently Sunbasket. Um, so that experience has been sort of spread across multiple industries and multiple companies of various sizes, but the theme has always been the same, right? And it goes back to this word that I used to describe myself, which is elevator. I think of myself as someone who elevates people, products, and organizations into situations and outcomes that they couldn't have imagined for themselves. So me sort of pulling myself out of Merrill Lynch was elevating myself into a better place that I hadn't imagined yet, but I knew there were possibilities if I just tried. Um, same thing with the companies I've worked for. It's not so much about selling a product as much as it's about really understanding your customer, really understanding their unmet needs, their pain points, and then working with them and with your team to imagine and design and build a better future for them, right? And what you're left with is a feeling. It's not a product, it's not a subscription service, it's not tangible. It's a feeling that you leave your customer with where they cannot imagine going back to that old world because of what your product's done for them. And that's sort of the motivation that keeps me going and keeps me inspired to do the work of product management because it is so important to sort of connect all the dots and put all the pieces together and it come up with a vision for where are we going, guys, right? What is the future? We get to design it. How exciting is that? Um, but it takes, you know, it takes the team. It's not like I'm coming, sitting out there and coming up with everything. I'm just coaching and shaping and nurturing the team to, have the safe, vulnerable space where we can speak up, where we can, you know, build on each other's ideas. And, and that's how you get to these amazing, magical outcomes. Um, so the question was, you know, just how did I pivot into uh, product management? And then how from there, how did I pivot into, into climate? So uh, climate was a really interesting sort of eco-awakening for me, that moment that I happened in December. We were sitting in Costa Rica um, I had just come out of, uh, you know, being part of an organization that had gone through a shakeup, just like many other people last year. So I got caught up in that. And I'm sitting in Costa Rica, um, having exited this job that I loved. I was just there for a year uh, as head of product and design and really was enjoying the team and the work we were doing. Um, and, you know, it was in a bit of a shock. Like, here I am, like, you know, uh, trying to figure out where I go next and thinking about what problem spaces I wanted to sort of pull myself towards. And 
sitting in Costa Rica in those rainforests, hearing the stories, right? So Nick, again, just the stories that were going on in my head and my heart and my gut, but then also the stories that I was hearing from others around me about biodiversity loss and about how these native plants, you know, had sort of been lost over time and how the organic farms didn't have enough resources to sort of become more sustainable. And that was causing the cloud forest to fall apart. I mean, there was all these stories that everyone was sharing. And I was just more attuned to it because I was in the state of lingering, right? I wasn't rushing through the tour. I wasn't like trying to get to a destination. I was listening. I was pausing. I was reflecting. And those stories just gave me new fodder to think about, wow, how do I connect these dots? What's the, what's the aha for me? And it, the answer came back loud and clear. It's like, you got to figure out how to get into climate. And so I researched, I found this incredible 12 week bootcamp, Terra.do, which I highly recommend. Um, oh, I, got a, you, I got a question for you. So you, okay. when you, when you said the answer came back clear, you got to get into climate. Tell us a little bit more about that moment. So what, what was that realization like for you and how, how did it sort of come about? So I had a journal with me and I, you know, I'm a big believer in morning pages where um, I spend about, it's, it comes from the artist's way, Julia Cameron's book, which she wrote 50 years ago. And it's this idea of every morning before you open your phone, before you, you know, look at social media, before you talk to anyone, and even back before you get your cup of coffee, just get up from bed and go sit on a chair or wherever you're comfortable, pull out three blank pages and just start writing, right? You don't know what's going to come out because you haven't processed it. You haven't thought it through. You're just trying to get all that gunk out of your head. It's yeah. kind of like blowing your nose, right? Just get it all out <laughs> and see what comes out. And it's meant to be free form. It's meant to be whatever comes up for you at that moment. And do that religiously every three day, three pages every day um, and let it be. It's for your eyes. I would actually tear up my pages because I was worried someone would you know, read them. So I'm like, I can take care of that. I'm just going to tear it up, tear it aside, put it aside, recycle it. And that discipline of just writing and, and talking to myself through my words. Uh, and I'm also, a, I like to write poetry. So I was like, you know, using that space to also write some poetry through that there was just this constant theme that kept coming up for me around, you know, trying to find a big problem, something that I haven't thought about before, something that could make a real difference for people, for this planet. Um, and all of that just sort of, you know, came together in on a page one day where I just wrote the word climate change. And I said, is this something I could get my arms around? I didn't know much about it. So then the next question was very methodical and something I, you know, like, okay, what are the steps I can take to learn more? Right. That part's easy for me. And yeah. then it went from there. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause in what I'm really like, and I want to highlight this for the audience is like, you had this, you have this practice of journaling in the morning. That's yeah. your way of having that solitude, connecting to yourself, connecting with your thoughts, really like a space to process some of us do it through meditation. Some of us do it through going on walks and journaling is, is another perfect way of being able to do that. And that sounds like that's what really helped sort of that curiosity and the open questions to, to, to have the space to process them and solidify to the yes. point that you could then take your next step. Yeah. 
It is such a powerful practice. I cannot speak enough about, you know, just that art of one, creating, giving yourself permission to take 30 minutes in the morning to have this written conversation with yourself. It is, some people will call it a luxury. Like, you know, where do you find that time? Well, you adjust your, you know, sleep schedule or you maybe say no to email for half an hour, right? You got to figure out how to make it work for your schedule. But when you allow for that space, it's incredible how much energy I feel for the rest of my day because I've already processed everything, right? There's nothing like sticking with me through the day because all those thoughts have been written down, considered, processed, thrown away, or you know, put into action plans. And I'm starting with this clean slate that I can then build on for the next day. There's some something really magical about that. I can't describe it. I can't explain yeah. it, but it's it's really powerful. It's what's what's so cool there is in yoga. There's a word called chitta, which is refers to you know mind mind stuff, and mm-hmm something I've learned and coached for years now is if you can get that noise to reduce what's for lunch, how am I going to pay my bills? What's my wife thinking? What's who's judging me? If you can get those things, not that, not that they don't matter. That's not what I'm saying. If you can get those things to reduce the volume on those can, you can turn the volume on those down. That's when I've noticed. And it sounds like for, for both of you as well, that's when the other volume of your soul or your heart or your purpose starts to get loud enough that you can hear it for the first time. So yeah. Then, as, as you're talking, I kind of want to go back to the confidence thing again. So we've talked about how it's really important to know what you don't want to do. Kind of like in relationship, like what are your non-negotiables? Who Who's not for you? That's a really powerful thing to know. Okay. Then once we start to listen to ourselves or deeper selves or higher selves, and we hear these voices, something that I've noticed in my life that's been the hardest is not knowing what I don't want, not knowing what I do want, but making the choice to then go do it. And it seems like, I don't know about you guys, when I left my corporate job, that's the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. Hands down, the hardest decision was I'm going to leave what is safe, what is secure, what is successful, what is paying me, all these things, and I'm going to leave it. And it was the choice that was like the hardest thing. But once I made the choice, I don't know, as you just said, everything else, like figure out how, where to live, how to get a job, how to, you know, pay rent like that, that shit was easy. Cause that's what, that's what we already do as successful people. So I guess my question is, I'm wondering how do we, it sounds like you figured out a way in your life to make that decision to jump into transition or to redefine. Can you talk about that process? Once you know what you don't want to do, know what you want to do. How do you then take action to create what you see? Yeah. So it starts by picking up a pencil and getting a blank journal and writing down all the ideas, right? Because again, there's a tendency to jump to the first thing that comes to your mind, right? Let me just go do that. Well, how do you know that's the best way for you to be spending your time until you have other ideas on the table? So Nitin knows this well from the product management world. You you have to ideate, right? And I have a hundred idea experiment exercise where come up with a hundred ways to spend your time and go crazy with your ideation because you just never know if you might be, you know, you might find something that you're not thinking about if you just stay narrow and and don't linger right with that ideation phase. So the lingering and the ideation is really important. And then once you have lots of considerations, then, you know, you have to apply some criteria to narrow it down. And this is where you create a backlog and say, I'm not saying no to anything. I'm just putting it on a list 
And I'm going to start with one or two things right now. And you have to use some criteria to decide, you know, which of those hundred ideas you start with. Um, is it things that feel, you know, relatively easier, or maybe you have some connections, or maybe you don't need money to start it. Like whatever your criteria are, pick pick one, no more than two things. I've got three things I'm working on right now, and I think that's too much. And I've gotten that feedback, so I'm trying to figure out how to push back, pull back a little bit. Uh, and then saying no, right, to other ideas that people start bringing you. It's like, hey, you should join this group. You should, like, I'd love to, not right now, right? Like right now, I've got my focus on these things. And then to move those ideas forward, Nick, it's really a very simple exercise of writing down your hypothesis of what, what does the future look like if this idea was to come true, right? So if I was... um you know, helping these women get through this program and leaving them feeling more confident and more um, passionate about their founder journey. What does that world really look like, right? How have I changed lives for them? How have I made a difference in their lives? Can I imagine that? Can I envision it? And then how do I start tackling the steps to get there and bite-sizing them so that I'm getting traction every day, but it's not taking up my whole day because I've got other things to work on too, right? So it's that balance of I've got kids, I've got to find, still find consulting work and I'm trying to get greenhouse going and I've got this youth project that I'm trying to kick off in the global south. If I don't start my week with intentionality in terms of how I'm going to divide my 40 hours between those three projects, I'm going to get nowhere, right? So real thought around right now, 40% is going to this project, 20% to this project, 20% to this. And the rest of the time is, you know, for my self-care and family needs. What does that actually look like on your calendar? Right? Is your calendar blocked to reflect those priorities? So my week doesn't kick off until I have that all planned out. And I don't have a separate to-do list. My to-do list is integrated into my calendar. So if it's not on my calendar, it's not happening. And, and that, then I have a huge backlog. But I don't worry about the backlog because it's there. And then every you know weekend, I'll pull out two or three new projects, and then I'll figure out how to slot them into my week, depending on what else is going on, and then onward from there. But it's that intentionality about really setting up the week for success and doing the planning for your time. Once you kind of know what you were trying to do and what the basic steps are, become, that becomes really critical. And it's been super helpful for me to make sure that I'm staying on track. And then at the end of the week, having time for reflection, right? So what did I learn this week? What went well? What didn't go well? How might I want to make changes for the next week? That time to do a little quick retrospective with yourself is also really important. So what you're hearing through all of this is a lot of conversations and space that I'm reserving for myself, right? To really plan out uh my time because that's my most precious resource i get 14 40 minutes a day right there's mm -hmm. nine thousand days until 2050 so i i had this ticking like bomb in my head it's like it's constantly ticking you know it's time and the reason i have that i think is because my mom died when she was 64 she died really young and you know I, one of my biggest regrets in life is she never met my son and so time you know is 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 really precious i really treat it as a most scarce resource and so yeah. how you spend it matters every day every minute every hour and if you don't plan for it it's gone like the um, greatest equalizer 
right? And, yeah. and actually, if I can add one or two things to the some of the calendar you were talking about, what I find is it's the blocking on the calendars where people often fall off. Like they know sort of like, I want to divide this, but one, they don't actually reflect it on their calendar. So other people cannot book on top of it or things don't right. just sneak in. And then the second bit, which is, actually seeing were you true to your calendar so once it's blocked did you actually spend two hours productively working on a project or did you let three other distractions eat half of that away easily can happen Mm -hmm. i make it a habit to actually at the end of the day i will look i will re-calendar my day to reflect the reality Mm. so i so i can stay honest with myself at the end of the week and say you know what? Here's what I intended. Here's what actually happened. Now, what do I need to change about my own behavior and habits so I can be actually as productive as I want to be? Yeah, love that. <laughs> Damn. I just love how both of you are talking about bringing so much mindfulness and awareness to yourselves, to your calendars, and also being successful. Because I, I do really think there is a, a misnomer out there that is you can't be mindful and do self-care and think about the environment and think about your purpose and be successful in the, in the Bay area. It's like, no, you can have both of those together. And the sum of those parts can be so much greater because it's like, wow, I enjoy what I do. I'm helping the world and I'm helping myself, and my family. Like, well, that's just the win, win, win. Um, so I really appreciate on you modeling, especially for women, how to put yourself, especially as a mom, how to put yourself first. Um, Cause there are, so many women I know, my mother, other tons of successful women that haven't learned that skill. And it's really good. It's really great to see someone who's modeling, hey, take care of yourself, take care of your family and take care of the world. And those can all live together and they don't have to be separate. So I, I really, really appreciate you modeling that for women and, and for everyone. It's, but I think it's, it's great to see. Sounds like a whole intentional life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a journey um but I'm, I'm grateful for where i am right now and i feel like in a lot of ways so much is not figured out and i feel like you know uh i'm just exactly where i need to be right now at this moment at this age um it just feels like there's so much clarity of thought um and and that to me is like the essence of being alive right it's just sort mm-hmm. of really being awake as to where you are, what your you know opportunities are, where you're not going to go, um, the people you're going to let into your life, the people you're going to sort of walk away from. Um, it needs you to be awake to sort of design that life. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm putting together this model right now, sort of evolving uh, human-centric design into earth-centric design. So I'm working on a model to sort of showcase that, and we'll use that in the program um, that we that we go through in this fall where you know, it's no longer the human being at the center of this world. What if we put the earth, right? Uh, or we put humans and earth, because we have a multi-persona you know, customer uh, segment. How would that change? If we're here to serve earth, how does that change how we show up in our work, in our designs, in our products? And um, that intentionality is everything. Like if you don't have that, then you're just walking through life half asleep. And then you get to the end of that life and guess what? You die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I think I think the time, really like valuing your time and making the most of it every day is is the biggest lesson in all of this for me. And it's just 
wherever you are, whether it's a feels like you're entering a trial, whether you're entering, you know, climbing a mountain, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be ups and downs, right? The goal is to enjoy that moment wherever you are and make the most of it and, and make the most of the people you're with because that's those are the memories. Those are the stories that you're going to carry forward. And I love how you said in there, I don't even have it all figured out. That that's such a misnomer too. That in order to to move yourself forward and create the life you want, you have it have to have it all figured out, and that's just not true. It's not the reality. That also wouldn't be fun. So I love that you put that in there too. That you're a work in progress. You're still growing. You're still learning, uh, and moving things forward in a very mindful and intentional way. Um, I think that's the perfect place for us to to end and kind of wrap it up with your last thoughts there. Anyway, any anything you'd like to share with our listeners around um, how they can get in touch with you, or maybe about the um, the greenhouse project you have going, how can they, how can they reach out and find information about that? Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn um, and the greenhouse website is greenhousewomen.com. I welcome a conversation with anyone who wants to join the program or support the program um, in any way. We're looking for speakers right now to come in and speak with the women every week, you know, idly women founders or women investors who are, um, you know, uh, really thinking about, uh, supporting this this incredible group of women uh, from around the world, um, wanting to sort of you know take this really scary but really incredible step right to sort of get on the founder journey. We call we call the persona founder curious women, so they haven't quite committed. And what's interesting is half the women entering the the cohort have an idea and half don't. And for me, that's perfect, right? Because we're trying to broaden the pool. And if we can get the women that don't have an idea yet or something to really focus on to the point where they've got something to wrap their arms around by the end of the program, that to me is success, right? So again, the metrics we're using is also not how many of these women can get funding, right? All of that will come later. Can we just start the journey? That's the, that's yeah. the focus for this. Yeah, so, startup, startup metrics. <laughs> yeah. So just anyone who's interested in supporting women entering the climate space and, and you know supporting their founder journey, I would love to talk. Amazing. Yeah. And we'll put, we'll put the links in the show notes. So the folks will have that uh, once the episode Amazing. is published. Thank you so much, Anu, for being with us here today um, and for bringing, you know, an acute fo- focus on climate, on women leadership, frankly, even on time management itself <laughs> and how precious our time is. It is, it is the, the greatest equalizer. It doesn't matter you're rich or poor, but how we choose to manage our time can make us either. <laughs> Um, so I really want to thank you for, for bringing this conversation to the show today. Um, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening in. If you want any more information about our guests today, uh, about any of the sessions or, or offerings that were presented, Uh, as well as about myself, Nitin, or Nick here. You can find all the links to our websites and uh, how to get in touch with us through the episode notes. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you heard, share it with friends and family, spread the love, spread the collective consciousness, and help us raise the consciousness as a whole.